Welcome to episode 25 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, joined with Andrew, Matt, and Matt. And we got a pretty big game to recap. UConn upset, maybe if we even call it an upset, looking at some of the lines and the teams. Upset, number 10, Marquette, 87 to 72. An overall team effort, pretty much a textbook team effort. You look it up in a dictionary, you'll see this game, UConn versus Marquette. Five guys in double figures, led by Jordan Hawkins, is 20. But the big story, Tristan Newton, his second triple-double of the season, the first Husky ever to have multiple triple doubles in one season and the second Husky ever to have multiple over their career, which is a little surprising to me. He joined Shabazz Napier who had two in different seasons, but overall in all a big win, a much needed win against the top tier opponent Marquette, obviously one of the best teams in the conference. They beat us last time in Milwaukee really needed this one and they got it done. So what are your guys' thoughts from this big win? Well, from what I saw, Marquette really started slow and that helped home we really needed a big win like this and I think we were up by like 21 22 or something like that we were up a ton and Marquette just really struggled down the stretch with getting the ball into the paint Sonogo was a big factor clinging to and then we they we just got we killed them with the three-pointer I mean I think we made over 12 three-pointers and they only had five so you know you got to look at always got to look at the more advanced stats in a game like this you know we were even on foul they double their rebounds and they had nine offensive we had 21 so this is really like a stats game in my opinion because there wasn't really someone who just went off for like 30 or 40 and really killed Marquette I mean Hawkins had a great game Newton with the triple double but we just we just beat them to the ball pretty much every single time and I think that's the main thing you want to look at with this one yeah and um it's starting to seem like Tristan Newton um, he's been playing a lot better recently. It's starting to seem like he's almost kind of unlocking, so to say. And um, like we said on the last one, when he's aggressive, it really changes everything for our team. And this is just another one where it seemed like he was a step ahead of the defense. He was making some really, really good reads, some high-level passes. And so it was nice to see that from him. And something else I'll say is the defense is starting to look much better. It was a great this, that was one of our better defensive efforts I've seen in a while, and it was against a pretty good offensive team. And I think that the offense and defense hasn't really been clicking at the same times for this team besides what we saw earlier in the season. But in Big East play, it was hard for them to get a good night out of both so far, and it's starting to get a lot better. Yeah, and this team, uh, as we have said, it did look a lot like the start of the season because everybody was there. Um, earlier in the season, you know, we weren't a one-man show. We kind of strayed away uh, from that a little bit. You know, Jordan Hawkins would have his night with 26. Uh, Sonogo would have a night with 26. And it, it would go back and forth. Um, we never had, like, a full team effort. And I feel like this is definitely the team that um, we saw way uh, early on. I mean, even valuable minutes from Nahim Ali, who uh, hasn't been consistent really all year. You know, he had 13 points. He cut almost halfway into that margin he needs to uh, reach a thousand. So uh, good on him. Uh, Andre Jackson played like Andre Jackson. Uh, I remember they were talking on the broadcast about how, um, you know, he felt a lot of pressure um, to shoot shots, shoot threes, because it seemed like that's all they wanted him. Yeah, with Naheem Ali, and this is the first time he's in double figures against a high major opponent. He had 13 
against Marquette. He had a couple of games, 11 versus BU, 12 versus Buffalo, 11 versus LIU. But he never really stepped it up against a Big East opponent or in those big non-conference games. So it's huge to see that. He's really going to that six-man role for the team. I mean, it was really a toss-up between him, Diara, and Joey, even Klingon. But Klingon's really a different different category there, just backing up Sonogo. But, yeah, Aline definitely impressed me in this one. And Tristan Newton as well. He didn't have his best game. I mean, it's five turnovers, only 12 points. I say only 12 points. The average is less. But we've seen him go for more over the past couple of weeks. But still, he got to that triple-double. I, I was in attendance. I was hoping. I was praying he'd grab that last board. It was a little, little sketchy on that 10th rebound. It was a loose ball. He picked it up, and immediately after he grabbed it, they called the jump ball. So it could have gone either way. Home cook in there maybe, giving him that rebound. So that's great to see. But overall, just a great team win. Like I said, like we barely mentioned Adama Sonogo and his, what, 18 points. I mean, all in all, impressive. This is where it starts, though, because you look at – this is exactly what we needed. You look at our next three games. All start Saturday with big Creighton on the road. And then a week from then, we've got Seton Hall at Gamble and then Providence at Gamble on Wednesday night. And the common theme with those three teams is they are all above us in the standings. I believe that's three, four, five, and we're six in the Big East standings. So this is where it really starts. And we really needed that one. I don't care if we won by one or a million. I mean, we just needed that win against Marquette to really, really get the wheels going. You know, DePaul and Georgetown and Butler, great, but we really needed that one against Marquette. And I think the wheels are back on the tracks now. I don't know where they went. Maybe they went off uh off kilter there in beautiful Bristol, Connecticut bring back an old Bill Walton quote there, but I mean, we're back on track now. That's all that matters. Yeah. And one more guy I just want to shout out from the game is Alex Caraban. Um, The last few games, he's just been hitting some big time threes and he's been more physically imposing lately. Um, I know that it was kind of up and down for him at the start, but he's just putting together a solid string of games at this point. And, you know, he's just a consistent starter and he's really starting to maybe even run away with um, Big East freshman of the year a little bit. I think he just won his fifth Big East player or freshman of the week. So I just want to give a shout out to how solid he's been. And especially the last two games, he's been really good for us. How about the defense? Um, Marquette scored 72 points, which, you know, I feel like that's a decent amount uh, for the Big East, but uh, Omex, Prosper, Cam Jones, and uh, Igadaro combined for 11 of those points. Um, last game, they all gave us, you know, some problems. Cam Jones shooting two for six really uh, caught my eye because he's always a way better player than that. I was watching the game, and just the way he moves, how quick he is, the moves he hits, you would think he had, like, 20 every night. He plays with such confidence. And uh, shout-out to the to the guys for, um, you know, locking those three up because, you know, you got to let the rest of the team beat you. Uh, Kolek stepped up 17, but you know, obviously wasn't enough, and we held a 20 point lead throughout a majority of the night. Yeah, I have the numbers here for some of those Marquette scores. Cam Jones just five points, he had 15 in their win against us earlier. Omax Prosper just three points, like you said, he had 17, and also Igadaro, the big man, feasted with 19 points last matchup, just three. So we really had a point of emphasis to take away their main guys. And I'm okay if a guy like Stevie Mitchell, who's their fifth starter, goes for double digits as long as you lock up the others. Like, their backup big man, Ben Gold, he hit a couple of threes. Like, I, you can live with that as long as the main guys aren't beating you. And clearly it worked. And also, I was curious. I just looked it up because 
we beat a top 10 team by 15 points. I was thinking, when's the last time UConn did that? And I, I had to go all the way back to 2010 in the Maui Invitational Championship where Kemba Walker-led UConn defeated a Brandon Knight-led Kentucky by 17 points. That's That's been a while. I mean, we haven't really played too many top 10 teams like when we were good since then. I mean, we played Villanova last year. They were eight. We snuck away with that one. Then there was a period where we were not so fortunate in the AAC. We played a couple of top 10 teams there. We did not beat any of them. But it's just really impressive to see how this team has built, how this team has been built and how they can do that. I mean, I would say, sure, we beat Alabama in November, but that might be our best win of the season, beating top 10 team by 15 points. That's just my opinion. I don't know what you guys want to think about that. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I feel like we all saw this win coming from a mile away, which is the weird part. Uh, something, I you know, about me just felt more confident in this game. You know, even games against Seton Hall, DePaul, Creighton and such. Marquette is obviously the better team, but something about me just was like, you know, I don't think Marquette will be able to compete with us tonight, especially after half, uh, how last game went, you know, where your bench guys dominate, clinging 20, 10, and 5. Uh, my player to watch was uh, Sonogo, and, you know, quietly he had a 19-7 shot, 8 of 14. Uh, plus he held uh, Igadaro to what was it three points, five points? So, uh, yeah, it seemed like the game plan worked. It seemed like you know, Russ and Ben Hurley were sort of thinking the same thing. So, uh, big ups to him, yeah. And it was just really refreshing to see, um, that not only can we hang with the better teams in the country like we were earlier in the year, but uh, when we're really clicking, we could dominate them. And that was just a really good reminder of what this team is capable of uh, when they're playing their best basketball. To me, this really showed the characteristics of a team that's going to go deep in March because we, obviously, it's known to everyone. Now, we had a really rough stretch. We lost six games uh, after starting the year 15-0 and and being the two seed. You know, we had a really rough stretch, but we've come back now we've we're almost almost there in my opinion you know we beat some bad teams that wins a lot better uh than it looked a little while ago it would have looked a little while ago like say we played them early january would have looked a lot different uh because marquette's a really good team i mean tyler colex a really really good player shaka smart's a great coach um but yeah this this game really just showed that this is a team that can go deep in march because they play through adversity you know they probably heard all the chirp from the fans about how is this team just really going to dig themselves into a hole and not come out of it. Um, all those rumors were pretty much shot down by that game, but can't get too ahead of ourselves here. We really got to win the next couple because we're we're deep in this Big E standing. So we will be fine. But this game really showed that this team, this team's back for sure. And they were never gone. Yeah. And uh, one thing we say on this podcast a lot, and I know I say it a lot, is that it's just all about when you're peaking in college basketball. And it's nice to see that they might have um, took that time at the beginning conference play to work out the kinks per se. You know, they're not planning on doing that, but there's definitely some adversity you need to face when you want to be in a position to make a deep march run. And um, it was good to see that they might be peaking again. You know, they might be on the uprise again. They were down here for a little bit, and now they're starting to come up a little bit. 
Yeah, and Andrew, you mentioned the next three games are against the three teams that are ahead of us in the standings. And I'd argue the game against Seton Hall, that Gamble coming up, is the biggest of the three because we're currently both eight and six, tied for fifth, and which means one of us, which would be us, is in sixth. And if you're not in the top five, you have to play an extra game in the Big East tournament. So we have to beat Seton Hall to ensure – I don't know what the tiebreaker is like if we're each um, – for each one and one against each other. I don't have that in front of me, but I assume we would have it. But it's really, you got to beat Seton Hall to ensure you are a top five seed. We'd likely be the fifth seed. Just looking at the Big East standings a month from now, we'd likely be in that five spot if we're not sixth, because the top four is all either 11 or 10 wins, and we're at eight, and it's hard to make up two or three wins in a month's time, especially with how good those teams are. But beating Seton Hall is crucial. I mean, it'd be obviously if you're the sixth seed, which we end up being if we end up losing to Seton Hall probably and end up that low, you'd play Georgetown the first day. But that's still 40 minutes of basketball against a team that showed they can play with us. So even if we beat Georgetown by five or six points, we're playing, we'd be the sixth seed. We'd be playing the three seed, either Providence or Creighton, and they'd have a week of rest and we just play the night before so that's really really crucial to get that five seed at least I mean that's what sucks when you lose six of eight you're and all these other teams are winning ahead of you it sucks because you lose ground in the standings and it, it is what it is at the end of the day you play whatever your seed is but it'd be it's very important to get to that five seed and I want to talk about that first possession a little bit of the game I don't know if you guys remember it's a little hectic passing the ball around and then Jordan Hawkins hit a contested step back three at right at the buzzer right then I knew this game it was going to go our way I mean it we took like according to the official line score we hit the shot with 1928 left in the second half that's over a shot clock that's just we took every second of that first possession which kudos to Marquette for playing us so hard defensively to force that but it was just lock and load from there I mean Aline hit a three to make it a 13 point lead like six minutes into the game the UCONN chant was going at XL Center I mean it was over from there I mean this team just showed I mean, if we could start like that every game we we can we can beat anyone we just beat a top 10 team I keep on reiterating top 10 because we did beat a top 10 team and we essentially blew them out yeah that first possession I watched it and I immediately figured that it was just going to go to crap immediately. And that it was going to go to, so no go in the post or is going to be too far out and someone's going to have to heave up a shot. But I would also have to agree with you, Connor. That's when I knew that this game was going to be ours because Marquette did everything that they could to defend that. And yet Hawkins hit a contested three with the defender pretty much like in his face, like completely. And I knew that, like, we have that luck on our side. I don't know if it's luck or Hawkins' skill, but that's exactly when I knew that this game wasn't going to be winnable for Marquette because they did every single little thing that they could to defend on that first possession and force a shot clock violation, and yet Hawkins drained a three, and this place got up early. So it was good, but at the same time, that possession was terrible. <laughs> Not what you want to see from a first possession in a big game like that, but, you know, doesn't matter now because we ended up winning the game and getting the shot in that first possession but definitely something to watch in the film room yeah I've never felt uncomfortable ever with Jordan Hawkins taking a three no matter where it was from no matter who was in his face for some reason whenever he shoots it I have firm belief that it's going in uh I haven't felt like that with a player in a long time 
Uh, he, the confidence he shoots with is tremendous. I mean, he'll have, you know, nights where he doesn't shoot the best, but he doesn't stop. And honestly, that's what I like because, you know, if you shot over four, that means you stop shooting, you know, shoot over 25. Deion Waiters, NBA legend. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like, I like a step back from Hawkins, honestly. I mean, seeing the shot go up, part of me, like, feels like it's going in. Um, I don't know if that's just a bias or if that's just delusion. Uh, but honestly, I like it. Yeah, and that was a very big shot by Jordan Hawkins on that first possession, just to calm nerves. I'm glad to see he just kind of took that over. But I think that entire start just shows you how locked in this team was, what the mindset of this team was going into this game. That was the most locked in I've seen them all year, even though they played some big games. That was the most locked in I've seen them all year, and it was crucial. They really needed it. And um, I think they just caught the Golden Eagles on a night when – they weren't really locked in and the Huskies were extremely locked in. And I really hope to continue to see that mindset for them in every game, just knowing that if they want to, they could just control any game. Yeah. On Ken Palm Marquette, they were number one in the country with offensive efficiency for a decent, decent portion of the season. I checked during our game to see where they were. If they were still number one, they were three. Now they're still four. That's a top five offense in the country that you limited to 29 points in the first half and less than 75 total. That's not many teams can say they do that. And it's just the defense. Dan Hurley always preaches that we got our guys like Jackson and DR. They're known for their defense, but even guys like Newton and Hawkins are stepping it up. They're usually offensive first players in my opinion, but they're just stepping it up in big ways against some tough, tough opponents. Like, and also one more thing with the defense, I want to add real quick for the second straight game, Andre Jackson was guarding the primary point guard. Also coincidentally, the best player on the other team, Tyler Kolak, previously Primo Spears. I feel like we're going to see, I don't know what we're going to see versus Creighton. We're going to preview Creighton in a minute here because Creighton's so deep at every position. They have Nembard, Alexander, Baylor, Shireman, Kaluma, and Kalkbrenner. Obviously, Jackson won't be on Kalkbrenner, but he could honestly guard any of the other four. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm curious to see what direction Hurley goes for that one. And Jordan Hawkins, just um, as time goes on, is really continuing to use his length and athleticism more. You don't really expect it from him. When he goes up and gets just like a crazy block, you don't really expect it. It's sneaky, but... He really has those tools, which is why I think he'll be a pretty good NBA player. I think now we're going to get to the Creighton game, but to bridge it a little bit, I want to just highlight a couple of former Huskies that are hooping. Brendan Adams, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, in a double overtime win against Richmond, scored 35 points and hit a school record nine threes for George Washington. I'm, I, I don't wish anything bad on any any of the players that transfer out, especially one in like Adams' case. He wanted more playing time. I'm not saying he wasn't fit for the Big East, but he didn't really have too much success in his one year. He played for us when we were in the Big East Conference. So that's really good to see Adams. He's still hooping George Washington. 17.7 points per game. That's impressive. I mean, that's more than Hawkins. That's crazy to think when you put it put the two next to each other. And also Jalen Gaffney, I mean, he's not having a phenomenal season. He's under five points per game, but he's starting on the 22-2 and two Florida Atlantic Owls. So that's cool. We'll see him in the NCAA tournament probably. It's cool to see he's moving on. It's really two guys. Carlton last year moved on to Houston. He played in the Elite Eight. 
and now Gaffney's going to play in the tournament at FAU. So it's cool to see the Huskies leaving a tournament team to another tournament team. And I think we'll move on to the Creighton game here. Obviously, UConn defeated Creighton when they came to Gamble in early January. But it's a different Creighton team since then. After that, they lost to us. Then they lost at Xavier. But they've won seven straight after that, including a big win on the road at Seton Hall last night at a place we lost. So that'll be very interesting to see. And I think, like, I, I want to talk about the matchups for a little bit and hear your guys' thoughts. Like I said, I think I personally think because they're so deep, I would just do traditional matchups and just throw Jackson on a guy like Baylor Shireman. But I could easily see him on Nembard and stick with the – have him guard the primary ball handler thing. I can tell you what exactly is going to happen, in my opinion. They're going to start the game trying to go to Kalkbrenner because they're at home. They're going to try to get Kalkbrenner going early. And if Sonogo plays him right like he did in the last one, then Kalkbrenner is going to be silent all game. They're going to be forced to go to Shireman, who's just going to start jacking up threes, maybe go to Kaluma too. But for this one, it's going to be – this might be one of our hardest games of the season. It's really hard to rank these games because everyone is hard. But this Creighton one on the road after beating them, with their fan base, we all know how their fan base is, but it's it's going to be tough. And I think we have to be – we have to switch it up a little bit with the defense because it's going to get too predictable. And Creighton's going to catch somebody cutting every time if we stick to the defense that we have. So I really, I really think we need to stick to the man here, not really, like, let people like Shireman get open. Just make sure Andre Jackson's all over him, even if he happens to foul him a couple of times. I'm fine with Jackson having four fouls, but they're all against um, or on – well, he's guarding Shireman. But Sonogo's the one who has to be really, really careful with the fouls. Because if I remember correctly, Klingon had a little bit of a tough time with Kalkbrenner, um, but Sonogo handled him real well. So Sonogo's the one who – I think this game is going to fall on Sonogo's shoulders to say it's short because it kind of did last time with him on Kalkbrenner and being the source of offense, but it's, it's going to be tough, but we're ready for it for sure. Yeah. And one thing about the defense is that it seemed like in the Marquette game, Dan Hurley made an emphasis to switch up the defense a little bit more. You saw a little more zone, you saw him switching it up and it worked kind of well. It works pretty well. That was one of our better defensive performances in a while. But um, we're really going to need Andre Jackson to stay out of foul trouble against guys like – I don't know who will be guarding because he has been taking the lead guard recently. But um, I feel like Tristan Newton could stick um, Nemhard and Andre Jackson's a better matchup for a guy like Kaluma. But we really just need Andre Jackson to stay out of foul trouble because Kaluma, he's a physical guy. And – um, he needs to stay in control of this game, definitely. And I'm not sure who they're going to put on Kaluma. Uh, that's a really big matchup, just the way he creates for the offense. He spreads the floor, uh, you know, ridiculously. He shot off three from three last game, but he had 16 rebounds. Um, we had Caravan on him the majority of the time last game. Uh, wasn't the best idea. Uh, but, I mean, as the season has gone on, Caravan has – uh, developed into a way different player than he was at the start of the year. I, I just don't see a guy other than Jackson in the starting lineup who can guard him and is going to be able to do, you know, a half decent job. So I guess we'll see. Speaking of Caravan there, I think this is the game where he's going to prove himself because I'm telling you this facial hair, like 
has got to him, is making him play like a different player. Um, I mean, did you guys see in the game he he dunked for once? He was actually standing in the paint. Um, he I think he went straight up with it and just slammed it home. But I think he is really starting to improve, and I think that's a big uh a big thing for this team is if he starts to improve, then everybody will bounce off him because he's a very skilled player, very good shooter, working on the defense. But I think this game is going to also really depend on him. If he's there offensively, I think he'll be there defensively. But if he misses four or five shots in a row, then might see him go to the bench pretty early. And that's a good point you bring up about the facial hair. Um, It makes him look a lot older. He looks like – a grown man now and recently he's been playing like a grown man so it could just be all psychological for him maybe now that he's got a beard now he's just starting to play a lot more physical and a lot more like a grown man yeah i see all over twitter they're calling it the cara beard so do with that what you will but i i agree that andre jackson and kaluma that's the perfect matchup but creighton they're they put us in a weird spot because they have four guys well they have three ball handlers really in Nembard, Alexander, and Shireman. And they have Kaluma, who's their best athlete and perfect size for Jackson. But if you put Jackson on Kaluma, that means you have a mismatch. You'd probably end up having Caravan guarding Baylor Shireman, a guy who's known to put it on the floor and create his own shot. So you really, there's no perfect matchup. We don't really match up perfectly against each other, but I'm very curious to see what Hurley will do on the defensive end because he's made changes the past two games and they've both worked out. And now we'll shift over to the offense for a second. Adama Sinogo was a was a he was a beast inside. He had 26 points, arguably his best game of the season. He had two threes. He took five, which is actually quite an outlier if you look at his game logs. He's never really taken more than two or three. So that's that's surprising. But there wasn't really too much after that. Hawkins had 17, but it was if I recall correctly, a quiet 17 points. Newton, this was after he had a couple of stinkers. He had 13. That was good to see. But this was when we had really no bench production at all. And with Naheem Aline picking it up recently over the past few games, I think we're going to see more than definitely more than zero points from him. Honestly, not no bat, not bashing him. That wasn't a guarantee about three or four weeks ago that we'd see more than zero points from him. But he's really picked it up recently. And I forgot to mention, I'll say it real quick. That's an awesome way to end the first half. Hitting that half-court floater, it's just great to see honestly I was in the bathroom when it happened because there was a timeout with the minute left I wanted to I wanted to beat the crowd because everyone goes to the bathroom at halftime and I just heard the eruption of the XL center I was disappointed I missed that but I'm glad it went in and happy for him yeah I'm excited to see what a uh confident Tristan Newton uh will do here against Creighton uh last game he had 13 four rebounds and assists but the way he's shooting right now and the way he just uh, flows effortlessly uh, effortlessly with the game. Uh, it's an entirely different player. Uh, I mentioned last episode, he'll just pull up like two feet behind the line and he'll just sink it. He did it again this game. Uh, so I feel like Newton's going to come out. We're going to see a different different game out of him against Creighton. And I feel like he should shake it up a little bit. Move on to some players to watch for the Creighton game. And for me, it's going to be Donovan Klingon. Last time against Creighton, we thought he'd be more of a factor than he was. He only played nine minutes. You think he's matches matches up pretty well with Kalkbrenner because they're both over seven feet tall. But there wasn't too much clinging. That was as a result of Sonogo doing what he did, the 26 points. I feel like we always say we'll have a balance. It really depends on the matchups, who plays how many minutes. Like against Marquette, 
Klingon only played 10 minutes, so it's really Sonogo getting a bulk as we enter the heart of Big East play. So I, I really do think that Klingon's going to have more of an impact than he has over the past few. I'm going to go with the other freshman here. I'm going to go Caravan because he's getting more confident, and I'm really excited to see how he plays on the road against a really good team confidently. I mean, obviously this game is going to be tough, and we need everything we can get from everybody. I mean, this entire team is getting more confident, I feel like, especially after that last game. But Caravan is definitely going to be my guy because I feel like that's he's the guy they're going to be looking for as a second option on offense to try to get going if the offense starts slow. But they're going to need him all over the floor, so he's he's definitely going to be my guy to watch for this one. I'm going to go with Newton here. Just talked about it, but uh, I'm excited to see what he can do uh, as confident as he is against Creighton. You know, he had a pretty decent game last time with 13 points, shot three or seven, two or three from three. I feel like we could see more than two threes this game from him. Uh, when He just pulls it. It looks effortless nowadays, but I, I would go with him. And I just wanted to mention one thing about Klingon from last game. Uh, I don't know if anyone else remembers. He checked in and immediately picked up, I don't know how many fouls, two or three. He had a dumb contest on a three, which he like landed right on. I think it was uh I think it was Shireman. I'm not entirely sure, but that one was rough. And then some dumb block blocking or shooting foul. So I'm also excited for him. I feel like if he didn't get in that foul trouble, we probably would have seen more of him. And and I do want to see how he's grown as a defender against uh against uh Cockburner. Yeah, and uh Mine's probably just going to be Andre Jackson because he hasn't been playing great these last couple games and he's had trouble staying out of foul trouble. And um, we just, I kind of spoiled it when we were talking about the matchups, but he just is going to have a big matchup, whether it's on Kaluma or whether it's on Nemhart or Baylor Shireman. So I just want to see what he brings to the table defensively and if he could control himself a little bit more and stay in the game. And if you guys, you guys and the listeners out there, if you remember, it was infamous that we had never beat Creighton until last game, which as a result, if you do the math, we've never won in Omaha, just 0-2, but we've never gone out to the cornfields and defeated the Blue Jays. And we've played close games out there. I remember the first year in the Big East, it was a tough loss. We were both top 25. And then last year, all I can remember from that game is Jordan Hawkins getting another concussion and knocking out his season. I don't know why that's the only thing I can remember from that one, but that was a two-point loss as well. But they've had our number the past few years, and this year we're 1-0 and against them. So hopefully we can make it 2-0. and And I think if you guys don't have anything else, I'll just about do it here for Episode 25, recapping a thrilling win over Marquette and previewing a big game against Creighton. And I think I'll just – talk about our ranking real quick with the result of the Creighton game right now, if we beat Creighton, I don't think it's a stretch to say we deserve to be back in the top 10. I mean, we're 21 and then we'd have wins over a top 10 team in Marquette and go on the road and beat another top 25 team. I'm not saying we'll be back in the top 10. I feel like that'd be a huge jump. And the voters honestly won't even pay too much attention to us, but I think it's definitely reasonable to say we can make a jump to at least the top. 12 if we win this one and if we lose this one since we won against Marquette I feel like we won't be penalized too much we'll still stay around the 21 maybe drop a couple of spots but yeah I think the ranking beating Marquette was the big one and if we beat Creighton it's just a cherry on top I was looking at Ken Palm uh recently they still have us ranked at six uh which shocks me our offensive efficiency I guess is just ridiculous um that first half of the season really carried us but 
I mean, with how everybody else is playing around the country, uh, I'm pretty sure 15 ranked teams lost last week. Uh, I was a little surprised we didn't move up a little bit higher than 21. Uh, since we beat Marquette, if we beat Creighton, I, I, that isn't too big of a stretch to say top 10. I would say 100% top 15, we're going to be back in. If we don't make top 15, then that's ridiculous. But uh, top 10 is not a stretch in the slightest. I'm going to end this the way I have in the past with the big Larry forearm Twitter quote. Four and one on the new season. We're on to Creighton. Yes, sir. On the Creighton. And I just pulled up Ken Palm as you were mentioning it. I didn't realize Creighton is ninth. We're sixth. Creighton's ninth. So that's going to be a big battle. Marquette fell to 11th. They were, I think, honestly, Marquette and Creighton may have switched spots since last time I checked. But it just shows there's no nights off in this conference. And it'll be a fun one out in Omaha, two o'clock on Saturday. Hopefully the Huskies can get it done. And if not, you got to just regroup and focus on the next one. There's no, at this point in the season, you lose, you lose. You don't, you don't let it hang on you. You just continue. So yeah. Thanks for watching.